going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Open Championship, one of my favorite events of the year. As usual, I'm here with Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, what is up, my friend? What's going on, Kenny? I'm excited, man. I know it's the final major, but it is a good one, like you said. And if we go back to the U.S. Open, I, I kept, I keep flip-flopping. I'm flip-flopping back again because I can. I said that was my favorite. I'm with you. I'm loving this one. I can't wait. Scottish Open got me all fired up. We got the primetime golf, got the best field. We got the best course, 150th anniversary, Tiger. Going to be so much that we talk about here, so it's going to be a great show. Before we get into it, I want to remind everyone very quickly of our sponsor, FantasyNational.com. You can head on over to FantasyNational.com FGD. Get yourself 20% off your first payment, whatever it is you choose. Obviously, right now, the best deal would be an annual because that'll get you through till next year, which is all the majors, of course, in the entire golf season. Everything will be here, of course, for the swing season, everything else that's going on in the world of golf. But, Kenny, we got to talk about this man, X-Man, coming through, getting another W. The guy won the J.P. McManus Pro-Am in between the Travelers and then goes out and gets the job done here. Uh, Not much of a contention on Sunday, really. I mean, Spieth, I thought, was the only guy. I guess it was cool to see, like, Kitayama, and Tom Kim and those guys get in the mix, but just down the stretch still felt, felt like X was going to be able to grind his way through it and get the job done. So good for him. He's uh, he's opened up. I think the funniest thing I saw today was the tweet that came out after I forget who put it out. So I apologize, but they said the gala is the Kingmaker, the crown maker. When he uh, lost at the WMPO, it was Scheffler that got the job done in the playoff against Cantlay goes on a heater, goes on to win the masters three, four wins, whatever it was goes on from there. And now Thigala had his problem down the stretch. X put the emphasis on it with the birdie putt there at the Travelers. And now he wins that, the J.P. McManus Pro-Am, which is a big field. I know it's only a charity event, two days, whatever. But still, uh, you know, just a, a note of focus. And then he goes on to get the job done again here. So what do you think of X? What do you think of the event? And then we'll, di- we'll dive into it even further. Yeah, I mean, basically three, three straight wins for, for Xander. I mean, you can't really deny what he's doing right now. The floodgates have been open. I don't see anything really stopping it. The game is looking solid out there. We these past couple of weeks that he's played, plus you know winning that um, that pro am event with you know a pretty strong field. Uh, now it was you know, pro am, so it's not that serious, but still he got the W. Uh, I just loved watching Links golf. It's just so refreshing to watch. Like the shot that Spieth had, it was either Friday or Saturday. I think it was Saturday when uh, you know it was on that uh, that par five. Uh, you know, and he's about, he's in the rough and he's about 220 yards out. And, you know, if he hits it straight at, if he flies it uh, onto the green, it's going to roll, you know, way past the green over. Uh, if he tries to roll it up, there's a huge mound in front of him. It'll be impossible to control where the direction goes uh, of the ball. So he decides to hit it on the right side of the green with his big old little like a mound angle wall hits it up that wall comes back down gives himself a five i mean it was an amazing shot five footer uh for eagle he makes his eagle putt i mean like shots like that give me a fucking hard on like fully erect like after i watch shit like that it's it just so it's what golf is supposed to be it, it just it, it adds so much more creativity so much more imagination uh than your typical weekend week out parkland type course you see in the united states where you just hit in the fairway get it up to the green, make your putt and go to fuck home. You know, it's just so much more intricate, so many more, um, so much more challenging, so much more mental game. You have to be able to focus on where you want to hit the ball, exact locations. You have to be spot on. Uh, and then you have to have imagination, you know, like you have to be able to see certain shots, certain roles that you normally would not see or normally don't even practice uh, on a week in and week out basis. It's such a great 
way to watch golf. Um, and I'm really looking forward to this week. And the event of the Scottish Open was great. Uh, I mean, you saw it um, with, with all these you know, top-level guys up near the top, but then you had the Kitayamas, you had the Tom Kims, uh, you had the Jamie Donald Donaldsons, you had the Brandon Woos come out. Lynx Golf can sort of bring in those people, uh, you know, not the longest people, not the most elite people, but there's going to be a few guys are going to shock you this week that are high up on the leaderboard uh, at the Open Championship, and that happens every single year. Uh, now, a little worried about the old course and how it's going to handle – um, this new generation of golfer. I think we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But overall, I thought the event was great to watch. Um, you know, morning golf is good for me now, which is weird now. You know, a couple years ago, you know, I, I wouldn't get up for these events because I would come home late, stay up till five, six in the morning doing whatever. Uh, now with the typical, you know, nine to five job, uh, I get to watch these events and, and, and it's part of my schedule. So I, so I enjoy it. Uh, Xander played well. Uh, I had Spieth outright. I had three guys in the top 10 uh, that I bet outright. Of course, none of them did anything. Uh, Hatton was another one. He was just outside the top 10 Fleetwood um, Spieth uh, and Fitzpatrick. I had bets on. Um, I just did I had a Detry top 10. Uh, Spieth bogey on 18 saved me uh, on that. Uh, that was a live bet I added on Friday. He was only about two strokes back uh, of the top 10. I think he was in six, 24th place. Uh, that was plus 600. Of course, it chopped bits. So I think I got yeah. plus 150 uh, instead of plus 600. But still, uh, that that helped the week. Um, and then uh, And then I was top 10 once again in another huge GPP, the $3 birdie. Uh, going into Sunday, once again, I think second time in the last three weeks, um, I think my fifth or sixth time this year, and that lineup didn't even finish in the top 250. Uh, it's, just, it's just so, I, I didn't take it that hard because it was a five to six. Uh, so, you know, I, I would have to have super Sunday Warriors to even have a chance. Uh, but still, I, it, 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 this game is heartbreaking. I, it just You think you have so many chances uh, and then you just get disappointed. And now I'm at the point where, whatever. I, I'm not going to sweat it too much, especially for a five to six. If it was six to six, I probably would have sweated a little bit more. So a bit frustrating there. Um, now also, you know, I had half of my cash lineups cash right on the number and the other half didn't uh, only with three of six uh, this past week. And if Fleetwood did anything on Sunday, one more birdie by Fleetwood, one more birdie by Haddon, I would have cashed in all of them. So it wasn't like the worst week possible. I could have lost a lot more, especially considering that like, half the people I rostered missed the cut. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so I can't really complain that much for like a 30% um, uh, loss on my bankroll this week. It, it could have been a lot worse. So I'll take that. I'll, I'll take that. I'll go into this week and we'll see what happens. How was your week this week, Campbell? Uh, pretty similar. Actually, I, I was saying before we get on the show, got lucky today. I had a, uh, a regular uh, slate, a classic slate lineup, six to six with Fleetwood in it. And so that run by him, it could have been even better. I'm sure we'll talk about him more when we get into the open here for this week, but just in general, uh, close the door on me for getting me back to the big, big show, get back to the mega, the big 44, 44 next week. So excited about that. Uh, last two times I've got to get into it through just a, a cheaper buy-in satellite to get in. So solid that it's going to be next week, you know, get the last one of the season chance at a Millie, but the, the leaderboard stuff that you talked about, I thought was good too. Like uh, partly because the, the co-sanction factor, Right. We had more euros in the event. We had sort of a, a good setup where you see like uh, you mentioned Donaldson, but like just going down like Burmeester, Dietrich, Rasmus Hoygaard, like all, all these guys too. Scrivener, the, these dudes that you just don't see a lot right up in the mix. And then we had a bunch of guys 
exit on Friday. So I'm wondering, we'll get into it when we talk this slate, but I wonder how that's going to affect uh, some of the other guys because like the Schefflers, Morikawa, Hovlins, JTs, like JT went through with what he said was a back injury. We don't know what it was. Then comes out and shoots like a million over at the Scottish Open, but then he's teeing it up with Tiger, playing a practice round, getting some insight, he said. So uh, maybe Tiger withholding a little more than previous years, he said, because last maybe maybe what we're hearing is like the last hurrah for Tiger. I, I don't know. There was some some stuff today talking about maybe a, a Tiger retirement after the fact. It's all rumors, but, you know, we talk enough rumors on here as it is. So uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, you probably still play in, you know, the Masters, things like that, that he can. But uh, what, a, what a spot if he goes out and plays this, makes the cut makes a run and then just does decide to retire after obviously if he wins, it'd be the most incredible thing in golf. I just don't think we're going to see that this week, but other than that, for this past week, the Scottish open was awesome. Great finish, solid event. And it's just a perfect preview. Like you said, I, I kind of love it. And also for showdown, we do the, uh, the free showdown shows here on Mayo media network on Thursday night and Friday night. And it was so nice to just set my, where I'm at anyway, especially set your lineups, go to bed, you wake up, they're like four hours, five hours into the slate. And now you're just sort of seeing if you're going to get a sweat or not. So I kind of liked it from that angle as well. It'll be a lot of showdown, big contest, usually the hundred K up top ones, like back at the PGA championship where I won. So I think there's going to be a lot of good tournaments this week that we see. And even for the main slate, there's a lot of great tournaments besides what, you know, people see, obviously the $25 Millie maker and stuff that are, if you want to play it entertainment factor or try and grind it, you can, but there's a lot of great $200 single entries, $33 single entries, $5, like a hundred K up top with a pretty balanced structure. Like there, there's a lot going on this week, Kenny. So any other final thoughts for the Scottish open or things that you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, not really. It was good. Let's go ahead and uh, do another since, since in the, in honor of Xander and his Olympic gold medal, uh, let's go ahead and do uh, another classic story time with Kenny. They they used to say that's all he could win. It's obviously ended now. So uh, lots of guys out there I know are pretty happy. Our friend Nagels Bagels, Andy Lack, those guys. Uh, by the way, Andy Lack, love this guy. He's got a great podcast. You guys haven't checked it out. Pod Inside Golf Podcast. Uh, a couple great. I, I listened to it this morning. I think you guys should all go check it out. There's a couple really key points on there that he had for this week that I'll bring up when we get in sort of the breakdown. But uh, the one that I loved up front was for sure talking about how they, the bunkers in Europe are more penal than in the USA. They're used for mainly just like I, like a sore site out there, like to try and mess with you going off the tee, but not really a penalty. Like he called it out. I think it's true where guys are like, please go in the bunker. I, I thought that was a great line. So Shout out to him, but I, I mean, just such big fans of Xander for so long. So I know they're happy to see this. You talked about it on Twitter the other day, floodgates are opening. So shout out to those guys. That's pretty special when you got a player that you just root for so hard and they go out and just start to crush it like this. So that's awesome. All right, so let's do the story time. Okay, this was a classic one. This one's an Olympic version for Xander and his gold medal. All right, so uh, it was back, uh, if you guys remember in 1996, Kerry Strug uh, had just won uh, the Olympic gold medal for the uh, – American gymnastics team doing the uh, balance beam or the, the, uh, the, the palm, whatever, I, the, the one where you jump and you hit the thing and you spin in the air. I don't know what that's called. Uh, anyways, you know, he, she, she did that with like a broken ankle, whatever, and landed it and it was like, you know, became an instant American hero. So I actually got to meet her in 1997. Uh, I was on a school trip to uh, Disney World for an orchestra concert. I played, I was second chair viola. Uh, in high school uh, I was pretty good and we went there uh, and we went there for a competition uh, so we're at uh, MGM studios and they were just opening the Tower of Terror uh, ride at, at, at MGM studios and um, Carrie Strug was the uh, ribbon cutter basically 
she was the ribbon cutter. She, she, she opened the ride. We got there the day that ride opened. And, and so, uh, you know, we, and here's the thing, like, you know, we were teenage, I was teenagers. We were sort of messed up kids. <laughs> I, I, I guess it's not hard to fathom that for me. Right. Uh, anyways. So, uh, you know, for the trip, you know, when we got there, we got, um, one, uh, wheelchair, uh, and we used it and everyone sat down in the wheelchair and had some type of different type of disability. Okay. Um, I remember at one point I was, um, I was, I was, uh, basically what's the thing where, uh, you're, you're, you're alive, but you can't really do anything. I, I forget what the word is. Anyways, uh, that's basically what I was. I, I just sat in the wheelchair like this and just didn't move and didn't talk and didn't do anything. And we were in the line for, uh, this is a little sort of a side note. We were in a line for uh, the Muppet 3D Spectacular show. Uh, and there were these, uh, look, you know, when you're in the lines, they have those ramps that go down. So, you know, it makes it easier to go around um, uh, the lines. Uh, and so a buddy of mine was holding catatonic. That's what it was. I was catatonic. Okay. That's what I was acting like. And so, you know, my guy, my buddy's, you know, pushing me in the wheelchair and he's talking to somebody. We're right near the edge of a ramp. Uh, and, uh, he, you know, he lets go and he keeps talking. He uses his hands to talk. And all of a sudden I start going down this ramp full speed, you know, and I kept my catatonic, you know, image and I ran into the wall, collapsed the whole line, ran over to help me, like, come, come, come help me and like pick me up. And then all my friends were laughing and all the people in the line thought they were worst people in the world. Well, anyways, that, that's one part of the story, but now we're in, um, the line for, for, for the tower of terror. And, uh, Carrie Strug is up there at the front of the line, you know, greeting people as they walk in uh, and stuff like that. And so my buddy, he was acting, uh, he was acting like he had a little bit of, okay, again, don't do this kids. If you listen, it's, it's horrible. It, it's like what we did. It's, I know that this is a horrible thing we did, but we did it. <laughs> uh, my buddy uh, acted like he had uh, a down syndrome. Okay. He's a pretty good actor. He was in the drama. Uh, he actually works for the, Boston Red Sox right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but uh, uh, drama guy, really good actor. He acted like he had Down syndrome, and and then he was paralyzed and he couldn't walk. Okay, and so again, horrible. I know. I'm sorry. You can you can look at me bad, but I was 16 years old. Okay, um, and so you know we're in there, and, and she's she's up there, and we're in the line, and my buddy. You know, he's like a huge fan. Uh, he's pretending like he's a huge fan of Carrie Strug, right? So, like, you know, he keeps shouting her name and stuff like that. And she calls him over and our whole group. And so we, we take pictures with her, you know, and like, you know, he's he's telling her in his Down syndrome voice <laughs> how, how you know, how much he loves her, how much, you know, all this stuff. And like, she, she gives him a hug and like, she believes him 100%, right? And all of us are, are in this picture. We're, we're, we're just we're dying laughing inside but we can't like break this because we don't want to piss her off you know what i'm saying because we're already too deep in this game um and so you know then we after the pictures and everything else we, we get back in line and then a couple of minutes later my idiot friend who's 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 in the wheelchair he starts you know and we explain to carrie he has down syndrome he's paralyzed like he can't walk and stuff like that and so you know we, we get back in line and he gets up and he, he he's like, I can walk. And he starts walking towards Star Carrie, Carrie Strug. And I'm not going to say it in his voice, but he said that he can walk uh, because of Carrie Strug. 
And right there, Carrie knew that you know, we all busted out laughing. And right there, Carrie knew that we were all bullshitting. And it was a horrible, horrible thing. We get to the line. She actually leaves. Um, she leaves after that. Like, I guess she's embarrassed or whatever. She's really pissed off. She leaves. Uh, we don't get to see her again. Then about, what was it? 9, 2000, I don't know, 2006, 2005, right? We go, uh, I'm dating this girl. Uh, I live in Southwest Virginia. Um, her sister is the head of the Commonwealth Games, um, the Commonwealth Cup or what Commonwealth Games in Virginia, where people come down and, and they, they do all these little, um, uh, not Olympic style, but different sporting events uh, for meddling and for, for, for uh, you know, competitiveness. Uh, and the keynote speaker before the event started, you know, I get to go because I'm dating, uh, you know, the girl I'm dating and her sister's the, the head of this, of this event. Uh, the, the keynote speaker was Carrie Strug. And so uh, she does her little speech. She does her little thing. Uh, and then, you know, afterwards, we all do a meet and greet with her, the people that are close, the people that are involved uh, in the competition and including us because of our relation uh, to, the, to the chairman. And she looks at me and, and gives me an eye and she remembers who I was. She's like, I, I know who you are you you were like she was like you did that horrible thing at mgm studios when i was on tower of terror that was the most embarrassing moment like ever for her uh i i, I, I she was still pissed like 12 13 years later you know 10 years later still angry still remembered uh i tried to just apologize and tell her you know that was a long time ago we were kids but she was not having it uh so that was my carry drug story an olympic story uh not the best book i was a very bad kid okay i mean that's just the way it is uh and so that's the carrie strug olympic story time with kenny classic uh right there so let's move on to the listener league winner this past week um the winner was brad 1892 with the kansas city chiefs logo um, he had 429 points. Started off with Xander Shoffley, of course, the winner, 18% on Corey Connors. Um, I think he uh, he made the cut. Uh, didn't do very well, 15, 15% owned. Jordan Spieth, of course, finished top 10. Uh, Homa, uh, Jordan was 20% owned. Homa was about 17% owned, which is pretty solid. Of course, he finished um, 16th. Keith Mitchell, killer Keith, made the cut, 10% owned. Um, finished in 36 and Dietrich, uh, four percent owned, uh, finished top 10 and uh, and uh, and finished in the top 10. What'd you think of the lineup, Tim? Yeah, I liked it. Two things that stood out one, uh, the structure of it. So it's a you know, Xander, fine, he was going to be a little bit popular. Same with Speed. So you just started with sort of what he felt were maybe the two best plays, or at least those are the two highest owned. But then you see it's he did it in a different way, right? 9,900, three 8k guys, and two sevens. So I really like the setup of the build, just getting unique with some guys that are a little bit popular. And the second thing is just the ownership factor. We'll talk more about it when we get into it for this week. But, you know, last week was really interesting. I think it was 9,000 or 8,900 and up was pretty much every single guy was like 10 to 20%. And I don't think only the high, there was only one person over 20% last week. It was like 20.4% or something on on the main GPPs and stuff. So uh, knowing that you're going to play some guys that have ownership regardless this was a good way to set it up. Like one guy at 20 in Spieth, two guys at 17, one at 15, and then Keith Mitchell just over 10. So pretty much uh, right there, close to single digits. And then Dietrich as a way to set yourself up and get unique there. So definitely love that lineup. 
got Brad 1892 into the tournament of champions, which we'll figure out soon. I'm guessing it's probably going to be um, probably the, the St. Jude, maybe the last main event this year with the playoffs going down to three events instead of four, 125 guys. Most of them will play it. I'm sure there'll be some that skip, but in general, uh, it's going to be a lot of motivation there. So I think that's the better event to do it at versus the two previous, maybe the Wyndham. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but Brad 1892, congrats to you. You're going to be in there. We'll see you in the three man as well this week. And then lastly, Kenny, just another shout out our guy, OG LV big blue. Remember last week, second and fifth in this tournament, he comes right back this week. I thought he was going to run away with it today. At one point he had like 20, uh, 20 PHR more than Brad. And it just didn't work out in the end. I wonder who let him down here. I'm just trying to see. I know Fitz didn't battle at the end. Jordan Smith let him down near the end and even speed kind of bad, but either way, back-to-back weeks went second and fifth last week out of, 750 people and then this week i know it didn't quite fill but second place again so just incredible job to og there so so shout out to him as well yeah solid also gore for gore 49er uh who was in our three-man crushed us both on the three man last week so so shout out to him all right so let's get to the let's get to this week let's get let's talk about this event what my favorite event of the year let's go ahead and talk open championship the final major of the year it's upon us best golfers in the world they're going to head to scotland for the open championship from the historic old course at saint andrews uh this is the 29th time uh this event has been held here but never has there been you know so much doubt about whether this course can hold up to this new breed of golf we've seen the last few years uh historically this course has been uh, has somewhat even the playing field between bombers and short hitters, but with the new equipment and aggressive mindset off the tee by this new generation of golfer, it's possible we see length play a bigger factor in the outcome of the event. Uh, there are seven par fours uh, that are possibly drivable, all under 400 yards at this course. In five of the last six times the event has been played here, the winning scores have been much lower than most Open Championships in the past. Faldo in 90, he won in minus 18. Tiger, uh, of course, won in 2000, 2005. He shot minus 19, minus 14, respectively. Usti won in 2010 at minus 16. ZJ won latest in 2015 at minus 16. Um, You know, uh, I'm sorry, minus 15. You know, if the wind is not crazy, it's possible we could see a shootout of epic proportions never seen before at the old course before and a winner in the minus 20s or better range is possible. Tambo, before I go into the weather and the meat of the course, how much of a factor do you think driving distance will play this week? I think it's always something you want, but I do think that was what I was going to say earlier. The other point that I made, so Andy brought up, I talked earlier on his Inside Golf podcast about the bunkers mattering. That's not to do with this take, but the other point that he brought up that I thought was just so accurate, and I'd already seen it on Twitter, even before listening to his podcast, the guys that are there were saying it's dry. It's fast. It's running out. Like it's already set up for that. So I think you're going to see other guys be able to find their way into the mix, right? We've seen it in the past. And and then on top of it, I just do worry more about all the conversation around 20 under and 25 under that I'm hearing people mentioning out there. I just, I I don't know, man. It's, is it possible? Sure. Anything can happen. You know, it's golf. We can't doubt some of these things these days because we don't know going into it and we're taking educated guesses and making our best angles at it. Of course it could happen. But I'm just saying in, in general, you got to think how they're going to set this place up if it's already running out like that. And then we don't even know what the wind is fully going to be yet. It's only mo- it's Sunday, actually. Right now, recording this early. I'm used to doing this on Monday with you. Sunday evening. And then you've got all these days leading up to it. I mean, last week, if you waited for the Scottish Open until the very last minute, 
there, you'd already sort of seen that it was possible. But if you waited till the very last minute, you pretty much clearly saw that the AM on Thursday was much, much better. It kind of worked out even better as the days went on that it ended up being, I think, a two-stroke advantage. And look, it didn't all work out for DFS purposes because people still played Herbert. They played Scheffler. We, we had guys that missed the cut anyway that were in there and guys that just did horrible. And then guys from the other side of the wave that still did well. That's what these strength of fields will do for you. But in general, just looking at it, I don't know if it's going to be this complete massive birdie fest that everyone just auto assumes bomb and gouge. Let's go crush, tear this place up. Because I think, like I said, just from looking at the people that are there and talking about it now, I don't know if it's going to matter as much as people do think. So driving distance matters, Kenny, to answer your question. But the other thing is it's kind of like the, um, the masters set up here where, you know, I'm sure you'll talk about it. The masters trends. It's legit on paper. I, I'm not denying that. I'm just saying, Driving distance, guess what? The best players in the world typically drive the ball a long way. The best players in the, tip, tip, in the world typically show up at majors. And the best players in the world, going to the next point, typically show up at Augusta. And that's why, of course, Augusta crosses over with a bunch of courses. When people look at like who finishes in the top at one course versus another, it is often time on the list of guys that do well at courses. We see it all the time brought up at Genesis brought up at other courses across the board where it's the same guy. So you know, I don't know if that helps you or if you have any other thoughts, but that's sort of my take on all of it. I mean, the thing is, if you look at the last what five of the last six times, I mean, those are, you know, not your typical major scores. Minus 14 would be the lowest uh, in those five of six, uh, all the way up to minus 19 with Tiger in 2005. So, you know, th- there's a sample size already and it's not like there was no wind in all those years. Right. You know, it's not like it was soft conditions in all those years. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, the scoring and, and the length here's a, here's a, why I think length is going to help because it's just a different breed of golfers nowadays. I mean, these guys can carry it like 320 uh, if the wind's but, correct. Length helps at every course almost. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know, but, but, but a, little, a little bit more, but it helps majority of courses. Of course it does. Yeah. But I mean, you, but you think all the, all the bunkers on the longer court on the longer holes are from 250 to 300 yards off the tee. All the bunkers from on the shorter holes are 225 to 300 yards off the tee. These guys can shoot over that easy. Mm-hmm. They can, they can carry the bunkers and that eliminates a large amount of trouble because the pot bunkers are the biggest defense, uh, you know, of, 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 of off the tee, you know, you, you know, because, of, and the rollouts, you, you hit a iron down there and that could roll and look good. And it hits some crazy mound and do some crazy spin wild maneuvering, go straight into a bunker. Uh, if golfers want to, they can, they can fly these things. Uh, and the course really, I say this later on in my preview, which I'll go, you know, which I'll go back to, but you know, the course is 7,300 yards. It probably will play 6,500 yards. Yeah, it plays way Pro- less for sure. Probably 6,500. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so of course that's going to keep the shorter hitters. If the shorter hitters can have, have a good iron game, links experience and a good short game, they're going to be able to compete. There's no doubt. Uh, but I just think that, you know, especially if the wind blows, you know, you would expect the shorter shot to hit a low shorter shot is easier to control than something from 150, you know, 50 to 60 to a 70 yard little chip, or even shorter than that low lining play that ground game. Uh, like we saw this past week at the skies open, which we'll see again this week. Um, you know, those are going to be easier than 150 shots, 150 yard shots that you got to do the same thing with. Right. Uh, and the thing is, you know, the rough, the fairways are huge. Uh, the rough isn't that bad. 
Uh, you have to miss really wild to get into that higher fescue or unlucky yeah. to do that. I mean, this just screams bomber to me and, and, and more than normal. But, but um, I think so will the plays that you, when you go into the guys that you like in the ranges, when you start naming, if you like Willie Z, he's got distance now. If you like, if you like Tony Fee now, if you like, you know, some of these guys down there, they, they're all either long enough or very long where just focusing on just that is not the case. No, because it, no, of course you can't just focus just on that. But like I said, you know, driving distance. Stuff, sure. ex- yeah. I, I put, I wouldn't even put it as a tiebreaker. I'd put it up there as one of the top three or four things I'm looking for uh, this week, probably third or fourth. Uh, you know, like I, the stats that I have that I'm looking for mostly uh, this week uh, are going to be uh, around the green, tee to green, par four, and then driving distance. Uh, it's hard to allocate strokes gain approach in this type of an event because you're hitting different types of shots than you normally would hit on a regular PGA Tour, uh, you know, re- regular PGA Tour approach shots. You know, you're just hitting yeah. something full up in the air. So I using too much, I actually have strokes gain approach as my sixth uh, stat that I'm looking at uh, this week, just because uh, it's hard to quantify how these golfers are going to play these holes, how the wind is going to affect them, their, their, their play and their approaches. Um, And so I, I, I'd rather focus more on the par four scoring. I'd rather focus more on driving distance. I'd rather focus more on um, around the green type play. And that, that's how I'm going about it this week. Uh, yeah. But I do think driving distance is going to be uh, a factor. And I think you're going to see a lot of guys out there. And the thing is, uh, forget the elite guys. I mean, if you're going for like mid tier or lower guys, like I'm in on Bryson this week. I, I, Wyndham Clark is another guy that I can look at and see who can do it because he hits it so far. Um, I don't even know if Cameron Champs in the field, if he is, uh, you know, that's somebody else that I would look at, you know, that are just going to be lower, um, uh, uh, lower price and not elite golfers. Of course, the elite golfers, most of them all hit along. Even if they're not long, they still have a great chance because they're elite. Uh, but when it comes to the mid-tier and lower tier, I'll be looking a little bit more on this driving distance. I think it's going to be important uh, because I, I expect seven par fours could be drivable. If it's yeah. as firm, if it's as firm and fast as golfers are saying they are, it is, the seven par fours are drivable. Yeah, I'll let you finish the preview. But before I do, like just to find, I'll do my part first that you normally flip to me because it adds mm-hmm. the last thought. on. It's like that. So you, you said par four scoring, which I'm, Rating really high. Obviously, there's Real so high, many of yeah. them out there, but there's my point. So if I look right now at Fantasy National, which we use, fantasynational.com slash, slash FGD, and I go to the top 25 guys in, in par four scoring, like 15 of them are driving are in like the top 25 of driving distance or, or whatever already anyway. And then they also are very good tee to green players in general. They're pretty good scramblers. They get the most opportunities gained. Like they fall within all those categories. Regardless, yeah, I, so I, I think it's harder. I think it's easier. It's harder to, to differentiate the top of the field because I mean they're they're good. I think when it comes to the middle and the lower part of the field, this is something where you can look at and gain an advantage. In my yeah, opinion, and, and I'll just I'll just this is what I was going to say though, the final point because I don't disagree with you. But you go if I go flip it now, that was sort of by par four scoring just to notice all those guys with the good driving distance. But if I flip it now to just driving distance, of course Bryson's number one. But how do you think the rest of his numbers look? They're horrible. Right. You got Wyndham Clark, horrible across the yeah, board. Horrible. Ryan yeah. Fox, horrible across the board. These guys are bombers. But I think if you focus just on that, you'd be doing a disservice to some of the guys that have all the stats that you want and are required here. That also just, by the way, that's where they get that. That's where they're that good from is they happen to bomb it as well. So I just I wouldn't put it put it as like the absolute be all end all. But I think you're going to notice that a lot of the guys you're getting after anyway 
have that as a strength in their game already. Well, I mean, and another thing is, I think we're going to see a lot more drivers off the tee than we normally do here as well. I mean, you know, back in the day at the, the, the old course, you know, it's iron off the tee, two iron, three iron off the tee, keep it low, let it ride. But, you know, that's just not the way the games are played nowadays, uh, especially for a lot of these golfers, you know, in, in all tiers uh, that we're going to go through. I, I, I don't know. I expect, I in expect most things in life. It pays to be aggressive. I get where you're going with it and the same thing. And like, again, we're waiting on that. Uh, weather was the other thing I was going to talk about. Obviously we've already well, mentioned that's my it, neck. but that's the next topic. Yep. We're waiting to see how many of these par fours become drivable. Is it six? Because like you said, that that's going to matter. But like I said, again, I still think a lot of the guys we're going to like anyway, can drive them if they want to. So it just depends on who wants to be aggressive and who, and again, in any major, Kenny, we talk about this at all of them for many years now of the mentality of some of these guys, right? Some of these guys are, you know, make poor decisions down the stretch. And that affects two things. One decisions to maybe go for it when they should Two, that's not, it's, you know, closer is not, you know, things, some people don't believe in a closer, but the point would be that also affects things down the stretch. If they're not going to continue to play the same way on Sunday, when they're trying to win as they did to get them through the first 54 holes, that's sometimes a problem, and that's why guys don't end up in the winner's circle in some cases. All right, let's talk about the weather. Weather, the main defense of the course. Uh, yeah, I, I would think. The weather is going to be the main defense of the course. Yes, they're going to have to avoid the pot bunkers, some long wispy fescue, and three putts on these huge greens. Uh, but it really is the weather that is going to decide how difficult the course is going to play. Um, you know, it's been a historically dry summer. Uh, so far for the east coast of Scotland, where St. Andrews is located, we got a glimpse of how dry the conditions are uh, and how it can affect the courses past week uh, at the Scottish Open, where golf balls, you know, were rolling out 50 plus yards in the fairways and getting large first tops in the green. The massive rollout make the wide fairways much more narrow, but it also gives the big hitters uh, a chance to reach the greens of those seven short par fours in a single shot. The early forecast is a chance of showers on Wednesday that could slow the course up some but it doesn't look like it'll be a deluge and windy conditions on Thursday should dry the course up quickly. Thursday and Friday look like the worst days uh, when it comes to wind. Thursday calls for 15 to 25 mile per hour winds, Friday 25 to 35, but this is on Sunday. Once again, all this can change. Uh, the weekend looks a little bit easier uh, as the winds are down, but there is a possibility of rain all day Sunday, which will make the course play longer, uh, but will also make approach shots, you know, a little bit easier, a little bit more palatable uh, to do. Uh, now, when it comes to the weather, you just got to wait. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, you got to wait till the end. You know, there could be some wave advantages. This is the way, you know, what I would expect if this forecast holds up where it's difficult on the first couple of days, but then a lot easier on the weekend. I think that could bring a lot of live bets in a lot of like long shot live bets into, 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 the, into the fray. Uh, I mean, you saw sort of some glimpses of it to, uh, Today, uh, this past weekend at the Scottish Open, where you know um, Cantlay came from a mile back, uh, was up there, was one off the lead, two off the lead at one point in time, going into the back nine. Um, same thing with Cam Smith, who had a nice little comeback. Fleetwood with a strong final round, going was about six, seven strokes back. Um, you know, I think you could see that again uh, this week, especially if the conditions are going to be, uh, you know, a little bit easier, uh, let a little less wind. Uh, you know, the pressure usually gets to people on top and people can chase. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit easier for them to chase. Now, let's get to the main part of the course. Old course of St. Andrews, 7,300 yard, par 72, true links course with two par fives, two par threes, and 14 par fours. Of course, like I said, 7,300 yards, not really the real 
yardage. It's going to play, I think, around 6,500 yards. Um, the par fives are gettable, and there are seven par fours under 400 yards, uh, which could be reachable by aggressive players off the tee, depending on the wind. Uh, now, off the tee, golfers will see wide, rolling fairways that have massive mounds and undulation. If golfers miss the fairways, they will they'll they will hope to get a lie in the two and a half inch rough rather than in a pot bunker. Uh, these fairway bunkers are deep, and if the ball rolls too far forward, um, uh, in in them, golfers will have to punch out sideways. Now, most of these fairway bunkers lie around 250 to 300 yards, like I said, from the tee box on longer holes and 225 to 300 from the tee box on shorter holes. So there will be some golfers who carry this trouble if the wind is in their favor. Again, this is where I think uh, the distance can be an advantage, uh, even more than your typical week. If golfers miss wildly off the tee, there will be some longer wispy fescue to deal with. Uh, on approach shots, golfers will see humongous double greens that are elevated and protected by deep pot bunkers. Many of the greens are in the shape of an upside-down bowl and collection areas uh, with short grass and tight lies will snatch missed approaches. Again, the weather will play a big part in how golfers attack these greens. If there's rain and it softens up the course, you will see more airplay like a normal event um, in a normal week. If it stays firm and fast with windy conditions or if golfers are in the rough a lot, uh, you will see a lot more ground play. That's what we saw this past week at the Scottish Open. Lower ball flight and rely on the firmness uh, of the fairways and greens to get the ball to the pin. Uh, you know, this is where, uh, you know, imagination creativity, uh, all that stuff, links, experience really comes into play, uh, especially if we get these, um, you know, firm conditions and there's not that much rain. And it doesn't matter if you're hitting from 50 yards or 150 yards. Those are going to be the type of shots that you need to hit, those low uh, running little shots. And, you know, if, if you're not comfortable with that or you haven't done that too much in your career, it's not really easy to do to just come out there unless you're Ju Young Kim. Tom Kim this past week who never played a links course in his life and goes out there and, and comes in and comes in uh, top three. That's going to be a rarity. Okay. Uh, you're not going to see that that often. There will be some, but it's not, it's, it's, it's going to be rare. Um, now, these fescue bent pole blended greens are massive with mounds, elevation changes, and undulation. There will be a lot of longer putts, and many times golfers will need to make 10 to 15 footers. Uh, you know, for birdie, five to 10 footers or par is going to be that range is where I'm going to be looking. Five to 10, 10 to 15 foot. Those types of putting uh, stats are something I'll be looking at this week. Three putt avoidance. Uh, you know, and punting from is going to be important as well because of how large these greens are. So basically what I'm looking for in golfers this week are good link, links experience, good form, solid short game to go along with the putting stats I just mentioned. And also I'll be favoring longer hitters. Um, you know, but again, I wouldn't rule out shorter hitters with a good iron and good short games. I know you already spoke about what you're looking for, but anything else you want to add, Tambo? Uh, no, I think that was good. Like everything you talked about, we're sort of on the sort of on the same page. At least again, we, we are still on the same page. It's just we're going to see it as we get through the ranges, obviously doing the research or pre-search, if you will, going into this. I've definitely uh, seen it as we go through, but like a lot, every range that the guys you like, a lot of them are just going to have that associated with them. Where I was talking tiebreaker, I will clarify, like just one example is like if you have like a Chris Kirk at 6,800 and he looks really good in the model but he doesn't have the distance and you have somebody else right there above or below that has the distance and similar numbers, but not the total rating across the board. Maybe that's where you would slide to that guy instead and just say, look, if I'm already going these other five guys and they all have distance as is, but uh, you know, a couple, two more quick points and then we'll go into the tiers. One uh, don't forget two was reminded by Mayo when we did the show on Saturday, the, the drafting show that myself uh, Raza and him did talking about the, everyone goes off one. 
right? So you're going to have little pockets of, you know, watching that weather and finding out for draws. It's not really just like an AM PM. It's kind of like a, what pocket do they go on uh, often on either side in each day? So I think that's something to keep in mind. Oh, yeah, Just like, just like that Stenson Phil battle. I mean, there was like yeah. a two hour window where you could, you played the first couple of days where it was money uh, and, yeah. and Stenson and Spieth were in that two hour window. And that's why they were so far ahead of everyone. Stenson um, and lefty. Yeah. And they were yeah, in oh, this, lefty. That's right. And then, but yeah, it was funny. You say that because that's exactly like it is. You like stacked that window of course you got lineups with both of them together and you needed that because the position placement points and the fact that they just ran away with it completely ended all the scoring was they literally so, were so if you're looking at ways you course. can't really look at you can't there's no am pm you have to look at like exactly what you're saying pockets of time pockets that of mind, times that yes. that's mm-hmm. a big one and then uh, lastly just before we get into the tiers I want to remind everyone of the contest kenny because i already talked about sort of stats and things like that but the contest wise um, you know, we're going to announce the winners tomorrow on our Twitter. So at FGD, at FG degenerates on Twitter, you can go there. We'll be posting the two winners and then I'll get in contact with them. It's going to be four $25 tickets each to each of the winners. So $200 total. We're taking them from the reviews, the YouTube comments, the sections there. We're going to pick the two winners at random this evening. We'll have those there. But again, keep in mind with the show, we still have a few to go for the season, obviously uh, six or seven of them, I believe. So like subscribe for the channel here on Mayo media network, of course, go on to Apple podcasts, rate review major season, right? So it helps us out a ton. We've got a bunch from you guys. Thanks for putting your DK usernames, things like that. We're going to continue the contest and stuff going on throughout. So it starts there. Anybody who supports us there, it's free to do takes 30 seconds. We're going to try and give back to those people first. So we definitely appreciate that. That's all I got though. Kenny, we can get right into these tiers, man, and start talking about it's going to be a fun week. Definitely. We're in contract negotiations for this next year. So make sure you go ahead and put those reviews in, help us out, help my ass earn an extra dollar or two that I'm going to lose uh, on DraftKings. <laughs> Basically is what it's going to come down to. All right. So let's get to these tiers. Let's start in a 10 K range. We got speed all the way up to Rory. Where are you going this week, Tambo? Ooh, this is the toughest range right now, for sure. I mean, you look at it and obviously Rory. So funny enough too, I go back every Uh, Every major before we do this, Kenny, we look at the season preview we did. And for this year, from way back when, before the season started, I had Rory, you had DJ. We'll talk about DJ later, but Rory just continues to look solid. Uh, You know, the form is definitely good. Uh, I forgot too, back in 2015, he had to miss because he had an ankle injury. So he didn't actually get to play here in 2015. He was laid up, but I do remember, you know, just thinking about how good it was going to be for him then. And I still think the same thing now we've thought it for quite some time. So Rory, will be popular and that's okay. Like I said, everyone's going to be somewhat popular. I think Rory will stand out at this top range, but there is ways to get different with Rory. You can go with Rory and skip the nine K range would be one way to do it. I think that's an interesting thing that you can do this week. And then other than that, I just think you can look at some of the other guys below him and build in sets, right? If you want to have Rory in 30% of your lineups, you can do that and then not use them in the others and maybe do some balance builds or however you want to do it again. We're going to have to wait to see weather too, but up front on the surface, Rory, uh, Rom, People will say it. I know my guy, Big T, will come at me and say, just keep, play, keep playing them if you want to lose money. That is a has been a common theme. But again, it's funny. If you go look, it's just like the same thing over and over with Rom. A bad result this week, but people said that at the U.S. Open. Is 12th good enough at 10-8? No, but he still just did his thing and shows up. The Memorial, they said it, 10th, still shows up. Mexico Open, he got flack for probably good reason, but it's you know it was a, a birdie fest still and for the most part. It's like he still won. He did what he was supposed to do and won the event. It's just he didn't win it by six or seven handily. He had to like sort of struggle down the stretch to get that W. So I don't know. It's just tough with John Rom, but at 10, eight, I definitely have interest. And then the other guy I've interest in is, is Justin Thomas. 
Uh, it's just, you know, we'll have to wait and see how ownership looks. I know that Scotty Scheffler and Morikawa are likely to come in lower in this range. Spieth will always get ownership, but with JT, I don't know what's going on, man. He, you know, he had the back injury that he cited at the travelers had the WD. He shoots a million over at the Scottish open, but then he's all smiles, popping up, playing around with tiger, talking about picking up, you know, tips from tiger at St. Andrews and stuff like that. So I think they played their practice rounds offsite, but he was saying how he was getting some insight on the course, but we, we, I don't want to go away from, we liked them last week. If people do, that's where I get a little bit more interested anyway, because the ownership factor, because we said it all season. What did we just say last week? What did we just say after the PGA championship with Justin Thomas was every shot in the bag. He looks so good. He's going to be another guy that can contend at the open. Let's think down the road with that. So I don't know. I, I struggle beyond those three really speed is interesting. Cause he just showed it again this week. He just crushes these types of courses, but you know, day by day, things will change. For the open right now, those three stand out to me on paper. Rory, Rom, JT, you'll be happy to know, Kenny, if you go on Fantasy National, those are also the three guys up here that are in the top seven for driving distance. So what do you know? It does pan out that way as well. They're, they're the longest guys off the tee over the last 50 rounds. Yeah, I'm playing Rory. I mean, the best driver in the golf ball in the world. There's no doubt in my mind I'm going to play Rory. Uh, he's probably going to be my second highest home in this 10K range behind Spieth. Spieth just makes it, you know, the guy, Magic Beans, he plays these links courses out of his mind. He has so much creativity. He has so much imagination. He knows what he's doing on these type of courses. Give me Spieth as my highest own golfer this week. Give me Rory as my as my number two, probably. I'm going to start 75% of my lineups. Those two probably 45, 30, 45 Spieth, 30 Jordan. But I think a lot of people are going to go this way too. So if you're looking for different ways to go about it, I think those four guys in the middle are going to be a lot lower owned than they normally would be that you normally see in a uh, major event. Uh, I think you can get them all under 15% uh, this week, uh, maybe even 12%, uh, just because of how popular Rory is going to be, how popular Spieth is going to be, how popular Xander is going to be. And, and, and the thing is, when I'm making my lineups this week, I'm still only going to make 60. I'm doing my normal thing. Uh, you know, I love the 9K and 8K range so much. I want to use so many of those golfers that I can't really have used three guys up here. Um, because then I wouldn't be able to fit uh, the 9K and the 8K guys that I want. So if, you know, with, with Rory being 30%, 35% or whatever of my lineups, I can, you know, go him and, and use, go him in an 8K range, just pepper the 8K range. With Spieth, you can go 10-9-9, 10-9-8. You can do whatever you want uh, with Spieth starting your lineup. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and go in that direction. But I do not hate use thinking about using the other four guys pick your favorite jt worries me okay i mean like withdrawal then plus 10 yeah. uh I, 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 I mean form is a big thing you know and like is he healthy is he okay is he just is he really i mean you know he was out with tiger but is he really in full force was he really doing what he i don't know we don't know uh you know and then rob's just been playing like garbage uh hasn't really been playing very well scheffler that's the one I can get on board with. If I if I was going to play a third one, I'd probably play Scheffler. Kawa hasn't play, been playing very well, but Kawa should be showing up at majors, also. So I, yeah. I, can, I can get I can get on board uh, with with Morikawa. It just seems he's like a, a, a baby Brooks Kepka just comes out, just does well in the majors, and then hasn't really done shit else uh, the rest of the year. You know what I'm saying? Um, so uh, I, I can get on that. But as of now, it's Spieth and Rory, and that's it for me. Uh, because I'm going to go in and start this 9K range, and I got two of my cash game cornerstones right up top. It's going to be Xander, who's the hottest player in the world. You don't really have to think too much about that. The price is 
you know, they may, came out with this pricing a week ago. Yeah, it's too low, uh, personally. I, so I'm going to go with Xander uh, in cash. Uh, and I'm also going to go with uh, Fitzpatrick uh, in cash because Fitzy, you know, he, he, top, he finished sixth this past week. He didn't even have his A game. That's another thing. Xander didn't even have his A game. Uh, you know, he had his B game, C game, and he still won. Once you start doing that, you know, that's a different level. You know, you've seen Scheffler do that. You've seen Rory do that. You've seen DJ do that. You've seen Tiger do that, uh, where, where they can win uh, when they're not playing their best. And Xander wasn't playing his best in the weekend and still got the job done. Um, and Fitzpatrick wasn't playing his best, still finishing top six. You know, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and use those two to start my cash lineup this week. But I like a bunch of other guys uh, in this 9K range. I want to play Cam Smith who had a nice little bounce back after starting a little bit poorly um, uh, after the second round. I think he barely made the cut. Uh, I think he started off like 200 and shot 75 on, on Friday to make the cut on the number and then shoots back up and finishes like top 10, top 15. Um, so, so yeah, g- give me, give me cam. Um, give me DJ. Uh, he played well at that live event. His ownership, could his ownership be down? Because of Liv, Tampa, what do you think about that? Well, it should be. And also, just look what's here. Like, we already talked about it, but, you know, you got Cam Smith, Zalatoris, Fitzpatrick, Xander. Not everybody can be played. So, you know, 24th at the U.S. Open, too, wasn't, you know, a slouch performance. It just wasn't the best for what you expect from DJ, but it wasn't bad. And, and I think DJ's interesting here at that price. So, uh, I don't. I wouldn't hate hate that either. What, what are you doing with Willie Z this week? At yeah, I'm playing, I'm playing Willie Z. I'm playing Cantley. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, the thing is, I'm playing a bunch of these guys in the 9K range. If I added one more person in the 10K range, I wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, you know, it just it, I just wouldn't be able to play all these guys. And the thing is, you can, you know, after you do the uh, the um, Rory and Spieth start, you know, I got 25% left. Start some with Xander, start some with Patrick, start some with Al Torres, start some with Cantley. You know, and just and just wind it out that way with those uber balanced lineups because you know the field is not weak; it, it's a strong field. Uh, so, where are you going in this nine K range? Yeah, I'm going to bring up three things real quick. One is uh, definitely this week. I did it last week and almost to full success. It was very close. Mito crushed me last week. He had a 15 shot swing to miss the cut. Obviously, the weather didn't help, but I'm just saying in general uh, that hurt me. But what I did last week, and I talked about it on the Wednesday premium show at Run Pure. Talk about it here now because I'm going to carry it over to this week. But I played more guys in this 9K and above range than normal instead of taking stands up top, because I'll tell you in a second why. I'll give you a perfect example. But I I just, it was hard to figure out these 2v2s. There's so many good ones. So I was okay with some stances up here where I was just way overweight on some and underweight on others. But where I really took my big stands last week was going overweight on guys in the 7K range that I thought were underpriced or, or Kim. Right with Tom Kim. I, I talked about him on the mail show. I really liked him at his price tag for a top 20. I thought he was a good play. And so I went overweight. I just took my stands down low versus usually throughout the season. I'll take more stands up top. And then I want to play like 10 guys in the 7K range, five or six guys in the 6K range. So I'm just flip-flopping it a little bit. I'll give you an example uh, before I go into the 9K range and talk about Patrick Cantley. Remember what we said at the start of the season, Kenny? Do you remember who we said we should always play at majors? where there was two guys, we said, maybe we should just always play these dudes at majors. They're not who you might think they are right now from a, a form perspective, but they're two guys in the 10 can above range. Do you remember who they were? Rom no. and Kawa. Yeah. Right. We would say, why don't we just play Rom and Morikawa at all the majors, forget their form, forget what they're doing. They just show up at these majors. And unlike Brooks, who most will say, cause of the injury, the live stuff, everything where he's not performing like he used to, these guys are still performing and in majors, especially. Now, here's the thing about a 2v2 for you. 
Guess who is the exact same price? Every single lineup you build this week that could be Rom and Kawa is with Rory and Spieth or with, for exact money or Rory and Xander. So how many lineups do you think will have Rory Spieth or Rory Xander versus will be Rom and Morikawa? Obviously a bunch more where I think that's just a very unique way to still get two elite golfers that don't seem to worry about form coming into majors. It, it would help. Of course, it's not like they've been, you know, the worst golfers in the world. They just haven't been themselves, so to speak. So just a little note there where I, like I said, I wanted to talk about that right quick up top. Going into this 9K range, obviously you can't go wrong with Xander like you talked about, uh, Fitzpatrick, two of those guys. I got no problem even starting with those two, like with your cash game where you're talking that. But one interesting note on Cantley, Justin Ray had brought it up today, and sometimes he does tweets and then doesn't finish them. Or what I think you know, most people that are watching or reading the tweet would want him to finish. And he said, Cantley's performance coming into majors, another top five or whatever. And he talked about it before the last one, before the one before that. He did not have it before the masters this past year but before that he missed the cut at the players he was 15th at the genesis third at the pro-am and second at the amex one at the zozo before the masters uh in 2020 so little things where cantley does kind of peak before all the majors he won the memorial then came 15th at the u.s open he won or not one sorry he uh got ninth fourth and second before the players and then missed the cut at the players he got second at the RBC Heritage, then missed the cut at the PGA Championship, and then got third at the Memorial and got 14th at the U.S. Open. So it's yeah, funny. We all, he, go ahead. We all know he's not great at majors, but at some point in time, it's going to have to click for him it at should. one of these big events. It should. I'm saying he's literally and, and, and the, 15th, the week before. The 15th at the U.S. Open was a good stepping stone uh, to maybe get it because a lot of if you look at some stats and some trends of the of the Open Championship of all majors. Uh, even recently, they, the previous major finish has been a pretty big telling thing. I, mean, I think what before uh, Fitz won, I think he was top ten at the PGA if I'm if I'm not mistaken, right? And there, there's more of those uh, as you look through the past major winners of how they've done in the previous um, major that they played, and that's a good little sign for Canley uh, because I, everyone knows he's been struggling in majors. So I, usually I wouldn't play Canley. Uh, at, at a major, but I have a feeling that, you know, things might turn around for him. He's too much talent for it to not. Yeah. Uh, I still have interest in for sure. Like I said, yeah. you, you were right about that. It just was funny of a, you know, sort of a tidbit or a note that the sample size has been this big where it just continuously keeps happening. But like you said, it should click at one point. The thing is now I wonder if because of today's result, we do end up seeing some more steam there. So I'm still going to be in on cam Smith. A lot. I like him. He makes birdies. He can find his way throughout. There's scoring opportunities there. He did not play good at all this week and still finished with a decent finish there. So I don't mind going back to a guy like him. Uh, obviously, we talk about Magic Beans, creativity, all of those factors. So I think that stands out. Shane Lowry, for similar reasons. Again, I'm not sure how popular he'll be. Liked your call on DJ there. I think that's interesting. But then even going back, Kenny, you just talked about it. The U.S. Open bring that into play for a second, not because of a course comp or anything like that, but just performance, recent major performance. You still have Willie Z second Hideki. I'm talking just this range, right? Hideki up there. But then you talk about some of the other guys. Xander from this range was the same as Cantlay. Cantlay, obviously who we just talked about DJ, not far behind in 24th, but then up at the top, you had Rory Morikawa Scheffler. Like obviously it's all the dudes we would expect. So again, it kind of ties in with that driving distance theory where a lot of these guys, there is that form as well. So it's more about who you're not playing in the range. Did you have any thoughts on like Hovland at the bottom or Matsuyama? I was more curious on those guys at nine and 9,100 with some of the other guys in this range. 
No, no, Hovland, maybe Hideki. We'll see. One stat I did forget to talk about, Xander, um, another Justin Ray stat. He's the sixth player in the last 10 seasons to enter a major coming off back-to-back PGA Tour wins. Uh, the other five and their finishes, 2013 Tiger Woods at the Masters finished fourth. Rory at the PGA in 2014 won. Spieth at the 2015 Open finished fourth. Uh, Day at the 2016 Masters finished 10th. DJ at the 2016 Open Championship finished ninth. So all five of them finished top 10. Yeah. Um, you know, came into this event with back-to-back tour wins coming in to the Open Championship or to any major. Uh, so so Xander, it's another reason why I have Xander in cash, and I expect him to be the highest-owned golfer in the field probably. I don't see why he wouldn't be. Uh, and yeah. so, of course, I'll have him in cash, and I'll probably, even at 20%, I'll probably be underweight on, on him um, when it comes to GPPs. All right. All right. So let's move to this 8K range. Again, I, I love this 8K range. My, uh, I had a tough time going with my third cash game, Cornerstone. It's either going to be Finau or Fleetwood. I like both. I'm going with guys who played this past week uh, that we know that had some practice on some links, uh, real competitive practice. So all four of my cash game, Cornerstones, and quite possibly all six of my cash plays that I play in my single lineup will have played the Scottish Open. I'm going Fleetwood. As my third cash game cornerstone, Link's course, he plays it well, got good Link's experience, has played well at the Open Championship before. Uh, so I'll go ahead and take that from him. Give me a top 15, give me a top 10, uh, top 20 from, from Fleetwood and cash. I'll, I'll be 100% cool with that. Um, other guys that I do like, Finau, of course, like I just said, uh, you know, really good Open Championship uh, numbers. He's finished well, bunch of top 15s, top 10s uh, at the Open Championship. His form is looking really good coming in there after he had a little bit of a lull. It's come back up. So give me Tony Finau. The one guy I think uh, I'm going to play Usti up top. Uh, again, I'm hoping for lower ownership because of Liv. The guy was like, you know, he won in 2010. Uh, he was in the playoff in 2015. Motherfucker loves the old course. Uh, he showed he played decent uh, at the last Live event. I got no problem um, with Usti. I like Sam Burns. Uh, his numbers uh, seem to look pretty well. He could putt. He's long enough. Three putt avoidance above average. Par four scoring above average. Um, you know, good from five to ten feet putting above average from ten to fifteen feet. I like Burns. So yeah, I, I like a lot of these guys. That's why I can't go too high uh, on those ten k guys. I got to start with Spieth on most of them and start in the nine k range for like, I guess, 70% of them to be able to fit all these guys I want to play. And I guess my one surprise will be that that guy I'm going to be tremendously overweight on is going to be Bryson. Um, you know, he played decent at the last live event. He looks healthy. It was the big thing at the last live event. It looks like he's healthy. Uh, it looks like he's getting, you know, he's still pounding the ball out there as far as he wants to. He finished top 15 uh, at Live Portland. A little bit of momentum. I know, of course, you know, it's, it's nothing compared to a PGA Tour event uh, currently when it comes to strength of field. But still, it's a nice showing that he went out there uh, and had a little bit of life uh, in Portland. And I think, you know, we saw it when he won the U.S. Open in Wingfoot. He does things a different way. Um, and I think, you know, that way of just pounding it out there, I, I think it could help. And I like Bryson a lot this week. And he'll be 5 6% on. Probably, yeah. Definitely a, a potential field play, like you said, that I could see why people will go there just because the price, too. It's not like he's 9800 and you have to make a decision. He's he's less than the average. He's 8100 bucks, So you can definitely get him into your lineups. I, I got two things on this, you know, just as a range in general. I'll name some names, but just in general. Uh, first is... Like if you're building, like I was talking to her, like in sets, I could definitely see building lineups where you just either 
pound this range with like a Rory with 8K guys to get unique with your Rory lineups? Or like we saw the, the Listener League winner use Xander at a very similar price last week to this and just skipped over all the other 9K guys that you would play with them and went right to the 8K range here and then dropped down to just using two 7K guys, not having to go too low. When we get to the 6K range later, you'll hear, but there's not a lot of guys. There's names, there's guys you can make a case for, but it's not a lot of, they're not expecting necessarily the same thing as this week where a bunch of them creep into the top 20. So there's that. The second thing would be, Kenny, I could definitely see this range being like the trap range, right? When you do just think out loud for a second, Burns has been like Cantley. That 27th of the U.S. Open was great, but hasn't been great in majors. Louis O getting talked up, but it's a different setup. You talked about it. If, if there's going to be more guys bombing it out there and it does end up going that way, is that Louis's game? You know, last time here, obviously crushed time before that one situational stuff, but just naming it. And he's, he sounds like he could be more popular than people might think. Everyone just assumes he's not going to get the ownership because of that. But the buzz is more around how well he's done here and how he has played good. He went fifth and 10th on the live events in between. He did play a, a Euro event, a DP world tour event, I should say, sorry, and finished eighth at the BMW. So I think that's the thought. And then you've got Hatton who always has like a top 20 in store for you, but you know, and he's got the Alfred Dunlink stuff that they're going to talk about here. Fleetwood got that classic Sunday round that we just watched. You talked about it hitting every green where it's looking like, and he couldn't even make the putts where that's going to bring ownership. Finau people always like playing them. I bet him. I saw 60 on him today. We'll get to our bets later, but there's that. And then I don't know about like M and Connors, but and Bryson and Brooks will for sure be low, but then Neiman always gets, we, you know, Mayo and I've been talking about this plenty on the last few Wednesday shows about the, uh, how Woodland who we'll get to later. Gary Woodland always has a narrative around him, right? It's always tough course. He, he won a U.S. open. He's long off the tee. Oh, it's windy. He can fight it down with the stinger. We've been bringing this up. Neiman is like a mini Woodland in that sense. So I guess I like my Neiman. question, I'll be playing I, I like him too, but that low, think- especially if the wind blows, he has that low piercing ball flight just like Woodland has, that he can hit the ball low through the wind with force, get it on the ground, get it rolling, um, you know, has to avoid the pot bunkers, of course. But, uh, you know, I think – but he's pretty long now. I mean, I think what – Neiman's what he's, – he's pretty – he's up there in length. He's got to be top – what is he, top 25 in the field uh, in driving distance in the last 50 rounds. Um, you know, you, you can't really take that with a grain of salt with all the um, uh, foreign players that we have here. But still, uh, fairly long. A uh, short game, solid, uh, you know. So, yeah, I, I like Neiman. I can get on board with Neiman. Yeah, I, c- I could just see, like I say, where this range comes in and does screw people. But for me, the guys that I would name, like I like, I've got interest in Neiman, Finau, Louie, and Burns. I-, I just think those are the four that would stand out to me right out of the gate. Obviously, Fleetwood had that round. Uh, M Connors can, can show up anywhere at any time, but I, I've got more love for the other four that I mentioned. So I, I would name them. Bryson, like you said, is the interesting point because of price. Uh, if you think, you know, that he can come around, obviously he's not going to have much ownership with him at all. Did you talk about Brooks much? I mean, you went no, with Bryce there instead, but, no. you know, Brooks no is a major. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think that's over and done with, right? I mean, we've got to see we, something We think from so. Him. I would yeah, think we so. got to see something from him, but, you know, it's Brooks. You never really know, and you're going to get him in low ownership once again uh, at a really discounted price compared to these one he usually is at a major could be worth a look, but I don't know if I can get there. We'll have to see how my lineup uh, configuration goes about. And if I can. Oh yeah. Only reason I brought it up is because the one thing I would say is I know like just in general, his major history is so strong. Again, that's sort of past. I understand, but I'm saying my point would be the same points that you and others will make on Bryson was that he looked healthy. He played okay in Portland. Brooks did the same thing, right? Like Brooks was okay in Portland. He he was sort of there and and now he's only 400 bucks more than Bryson here, but you know, he doesn't bomb it the same, 
But if you look at sort of all around stats and think long-term, uh, it would still pop out because of his major history that he would probably be the guy. But I get why people would go to Bryson based on the driving distance angle. All right, let's go to 7K. I'm playing homer. I mean, you know, the guys out there grinding, playing 36 holes in a day, yeah. uh, you know, on Friday, playing 18 at, uh, you know, the Re- Renaissance. I don't even know how you pronounce it. Re- Renaissance Club. And then he it's goes. Not, and plays, it's not Renaissance. Berwick, That's not how you pronounce it. It's, you pronounce it a renaissance or some shit like that. That's oh. what they're calling it the whole week. Uh, but anyways, uh, uh, th- that club, yeah, I mean, he was out there uh, and then he played, what, some other course uh, close by trying to get as much links feel as he could. He played pretty well other than Sunday. Uh, so I, I can I can get with Homa. Uh, the form is there. Uh, I'll go back to, to McIntyre. He hurt me. He was in the lineup that went five to six. That was in the top ten. Uh, going into uh, Sunday. So that hurt me, but I can go back to the hefty European lefty uh, out there for him. You know, a guy, another familiar with those conditions, familiar with links. You're not going to get the stats that you want from him, but you know, you got to go with feel sometimes, especially when it comes to these players that you don't see week in and week out. Um, One guy that interests me, Cameron Young, what are you doing with Cameron? Because stats wise, it seems like everything fits, but I, I don't know. I mean, he's a Texas guy, right? I mean, he should be used to playing in a win. I'm not 100% sure about that. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, sometimes I get a little iffy about playing newbies. Uh, I know he on, grew up, on, I think uh, his dad's like the PGA pro at a uh, place in New York. Yeah, he's from New York. That's what I thought. Oh, he's from New York. Okay. Shadow Creek. Or, okay. Not Shadow Creek. I forget the name of it now. Someone brought it up to me in the past, but uh, it's it's New York where he's from. Okay, didn't he go to school somewhere? Maybe he didn't go to school. Wait, Wake Forest. We went with okay. Willie Z. I was wrong. I was wrong about that. But anyways, uh, numbers-wise, I mean, like it just seems like, you know, Tita Green is top 10. Birdies, he's top 10. Par 4 scoring is top 10. Driving distance, uh, he's top 10. You know, putting from 5 to 10 feet, he's, you know, top 15. The numbers are there. I just never seen him play at Lynch Court, so I'm a little iffy about that. But I think I'll still take the risk at a $7,800 price because I'm not the biggest fan of the 7K range. When it comes down to it, I mean, other guys that I'm looking at down here. Um, I mean, if I'm going to, uh, uh, I don't know. Rosie is interesting. He's had his ups and downs this year, but he's been playing pretty damn well at the majors so far this year. I could use Justin Rose. Taylor Gooch just interests me as well at $7,300. Again, solid short game. Um, you know, when it comes down to a really good short game, really good three putt avoidance, top three in both of those uh, in the field in the last 50 rounds. Approach game is solid. No one's going to roster him. Uh, I like uh, Taylor Gooch. Uh, Patrick Reed's another guy who played well in his last little event who could scramble his ass off. Uh, you don't have to worry about too much of his drivers going too wild as long as he avoids those pot bunkers. Um, so I, I can go with Patrick Reed, Zeden Hoot. Uh, another guy down here who played well in the top 20 the Scottish Open. I can get behind second the week before at the John Deere. Coming in good form. I'll take that. He's played in the European Tour. He's used to these links-type courses. I like Bazeden Hoot down here. And Jordan Smith is going to be my final cash game cornerstone. Um, uh, you know, a really good showing this past week, except for Sunday. He failed a little bit. Seven straight top 25s. And two of them have been on links courses. The Dutch Open and this past week at the Scottish Open, and one of them has been an elite field uh, with the Scottish Open this past week, and he was up there, you know, contending uh, until Sunday. Seven straight 20, top 25s, two on links courses, one in an elite field at $7,200. Give me him as my cheapest cash game cornerstone. So my cash game cornerstones this week are going to be Xander at 99, Fitzy at 98, 
Fleetwood at what, 87, 86? What is he? Fleetwood is 86. And then um, Jordan Smith at 72 still leaves like 14, 6, 14, 7 left to fill out the rest of your lineups. Um, uh, other guys, I mean, I, I want to, I'll play Woodland. I'll play Fox down here as well. Uh, you know, Varner is, I, I want to know why he withdrew. Uh, I, 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 you know, he looks like he could do well in these type of events. He won that event in Saudi Arabia with all the wind. He won in the Aussie Open with all the wind. Um, so, you know, maybe I can get behind a little bit of Varner, but I'm a little bit worried about his WD. What about you in the 7K range? Yeah, just uh, like you said, you know, this is where I'm going to take some stands, I think. But just on off the top, right out of the gate, some of the guys up top, like uh, Adam Scott, just a great open history. Another guy we've talked about it. Look, we don't love him in, in the strong fields. It might only be a top 30 or better, but at 7,700, that's cheap. So I can fit him into the lineups. Again, don't know a lot about what he's been up to lately, but I think that's just an interesting case to go to someone like him. Homa, you already talked about it, just out there grinding. The Cameron Young, it was Sleepy Hollow, by the way. I was going to say, and someone told me it's like a super hard course. And that's the thing, though. The, the sentiment on him is just out the window because since that 82 or whatever it was at Memorial, I forget what that final round was, uh, he's just gone downhill. But, you know, can he find his way back here and find his way up to the top of the board at 7,800? And I think way less than normal will be on him. The stats look pretty good otherwise with them. So he's an interesting case. Other guys that I like, uh, Paul Casey, newest member of Live of Team Crushers with your boy Bryson. He could go back. I mean, 7,500. He hasn't played. We haven't seen it. But I, I was taking chances on him when I expected him to WD because of his talent levels and what he can do. So at 7,500, See if what we do there. I, I think he's interesting. Seamus Power was Power is interesting. I like Power. Power is definitely interesting this week. Yeah, just looking across the board with him, almost all the stuff uh, pans out pretty well. And par four scoring, he's very strong, very good scrambling, drafting scoring in general. He's uh, above average in every stat I'm looking for in this field. And at 7,300, 7,400, yeah. if you're above average in every single stat that you're looking for, I mean, that makes sense to me. And I'm going back to Mito. Like I said, that's you know, I mean, a little bit of bad luck. Obviously, he couldn't play his way through it. The funny part about Mito is it's back-to-back events now. So if you remember, it was two events ago where he shot like randomly plus six on the first day, one of his first bad rounds since that PGA Championship letdown on, a, on the 18th hole. Then he battled back the next day to make almost make the cut, hit the number, and then the number moved. So it was like, ah, oh, that sucks for Mito. He's back again. Now this time, shoots four under goes out in that higher in the higher winds and just couldn't battle through it. It happens, but we'll have to see again. This is all depend on where weather pans out and things like that. I'm going to definitely take that into consideration, but I definitely like Mito uh, assuming everything's good. So I think he's a good play down here. You mentioned Jordan Smith. I was told just to follow up on your Varner piece. Mayo mentioned it yesterday that he got word that Varner actually went out and played more courses in Ireland instead of grinding the Scottish open. So he just said, you know, I'm going to practice some more courses while I'm out here. Maybe he played around with tiger who knows, didn't hear anything on it. So uh, I don't think so, but we'll have to see uh, if anything else comes out, but yeah, he went out and played more golf is what I was told. So assuming we get news, he's healthy. I actually think he's interesting with you go back to the well, like Nito on Keegan Bradley. And then the two at the bottom, I was, you know, you talked a little bit, you mentioned Woodland. We talked about him earlier at 7,100. I think he's a fine play, but will it keeps popping up in all the trends? He pops up in all the angles, the past history, the Alfred Dunhill, like all, all this stuff that you can see him go into. And then you look at him, and he's an even 7,000. The stats are so-so. It hasn't done much lately, but you know, 28th at the RBC Canadian. I didn't check his overseas or anything like that. I can pull that up, but I just think in general, at 7,000, if you wanted to round your lineups out with him, I don't think it would absolutely kill you. Uh, didn't play well at the Scottish, obviously missed the cut, but even beyond that, 
not not too much to talk about. It's more of a history and just what he's done, right? He was 12th at the uh, 12th of the Masters too, so that's something. I think he ta- we talked about it yesterday. I'm just going to pull it up quick while you're looking through the 6K range. Yeah, open history. 6th, 24th, uh, 76th, 53rd are no good, but then 6th, miscut, and a 15th. So yeah, I, I like Willard. I like Willard. I think another person is going to become low 7K that is not there yet, Kiriyama. I would guess that he would be around 7,100, 7,200, 7,000, right around that range as well. He's someone to look at once DK adds him to the price uh, pricing ranges and stuff like that uh, after his second place finish this uh, today at the Scottish Open. Somebody got some, another guy that you can put a possibility on because you know he has, uh, I think he has two DP World Tour wins. Uh, he knows how to play there. He's been over there. You saw his Lynx prowess this past week, um, you know, at the Scottish Open. I can get, I can get on board at him at 7,100. Um, you know, I have no problem with that. Uh, let's keep going even more into the 6K range. I'll give Lucas Herbert another try. Uh, again, good good track record, record on Lynx-type courses. He missed a cut by one this past week. Really hurt me. Uh, he was in my cash lineup. He was one of my cornerstones last week, uh, and he went five over on his last five holes to miss the cut by one. Uh, on Friday. So, you, you know, I give him a pass. Those last three holes on the front nine and back nine uh, at the Renaissance Club, uh, you know, really uh, were tough. Uh, and he did not play him well at all. I think he was like eight over or something, nine over uh, on those six holes, on those 10 holes, uh, the last four or five holes on the last uh, three, uh, on the last uh, nine, on, on each nine. Uh, but I can go back to him. Um, I like, uh, I'll go look, killer Keith Mitchell, nice little decent performance of past week. This guy is open. He's long enough, uh, really good putter from 10 to 15 feet, which again, I think will be very, very important. Makes a ton of birdies. I can go with him. Audrey Arnaus, um, again, another guy, European tour, uh, played well this past week, leaks experience. I can get on board with him. Uh, going down a little bit more. Uh, Pablo Larraza ball uh, again, another guy familiar with it. Top 10 in a DP to, uh, in a race of Dubai uh, right now. Uh, I can get on board with him. Thurston. Uh, where is he? Thurston. Uh, Lawrence. Oh, what's his name? Thurston his Lawrence. Name? Thurston Lawrence. How the third. Lawrence, not Florence. Yeah. No, I like Thurst, Thurston Lawrence. How the third. Isn't Thurst, isn't Lawrence Howell? Isn't that Thurston Howell? Isn't that the guy from uh, uh, Gilligan's Island? I think it's uh, Thriston too, actually. Uh, you know, no, just look. Whatever, up. whatever. It's close enough. Uh, he's top 10 in the DP World Tour standings. Uh, Race to Dubai. Uh, had a couple of good, strong finishes here recently. Um, I can get behind him as a cheap price. Again, another guy, if you're looking at driving distance, Wyndham Clark down here at 6,600. Once you get past 6,500 and Ju Young Kim, Tom Kim there, it gets tough. Um, it gets tough. I know I was in a Bjork played well this past week, but when you're going under 6,500, 6, it's not looking that great. I don't know how many I will use uh, under 6,500. I think my cheapest might be Tom Kim. What about you? Yeah, I think that's the other thing too. Like Tom Kim's going to pick up steam after today because again, again here's that- the thing. Now here's the thing: if he's chalky, you know, it's such a fluke to play your first ever links course. I think either either he he, he gets it immediately. And he's like, you know, far and above mentally and creatively and imaginatively better than everyone else. Or it was a fluke um, this yeah, past obviously week. Obviously, yeah, he's a talent. The guy just yeah. turned 20. We talked about him for some time now going by, even like most, you know, don't know why he goes by Tom Kim and that sort of thing. But just in general, 
we know the talent he had. I was talking about him last week. I thought top 20 was definitely possible. He was doing it in better strength the fields than most people were paying attention to. Like U.S. Open, he had like a top 25 there. So it was like that was sort of some of it coming in that I was talking about. But, yeah, I'm with you down here. There's not a lot. Uh, some of the guys you mentioned, like, were on the same page. Um, Thomas Dietrich, another one there. Wyndham yeah. Clark, I'm with you. Kim, who we just talked about. Lawrence played well. Be- Ber- Dean Ber- Burmeister, he's another one to keep an eye on. He finished T10. Not all these guys can get this ownership, but I'm just saying in general, he, he did play well this past week. And I like him for that reason. A, uh, Audrey Arnaus, he's another guy that I like there. Herbert, I'll give him the pass with you. And then how Tong, I'll give him a pass too. I know he made the cut. It's not much of a pass. Like I'm just saying, I thought that he could do better than he did. And if you look for the week, uh, crushed it in round one, round two was still solid. Round three was solid, like all across the board. It just didn't pan out on the actual scores right? He made some mistakes along the way that all also affected him. But I think in general, his game is still in tune and obviously a recent win that most won't even know about or think of when he beat Thomas Peters in that playoff, it still matters. And he still made the cut here, did his thing at the Scottish Open, could, see, could be saving it up for this week. You know, uh, Morikawa had a rough finish last year, not putting him in this tier, but just to say, like, you could have a bad finish like with Rom this week. And I'm just tying it into a couple of guys. I'm like, Rom had a bad finish this week. But if Rom won next week, it wouldn't surprise you if how Tong Lee went and got a top 10 last week, next week, sorry, it wouldn't surprise me. So for a cheap guy down here at 6,900, I like him as well. No, nothing else really though, Kenny, I'm with you on this range. Like I said, I think there's lots of ways that you can just build and be unique otherwise. All right. So let's get the bets for this week. I got a bunch. I might've went a little bit overboard uh, this week, week. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite. It's major week. I, I, I go a little bit more. So this week I got Sander 14 to one Spieth 16 to one. Um, Usti 40 to one, Bryson 50 to one, um, Homa 60 to one, and then I got three, uh, three long shots, uh, Tom Kim 150 to one, Detry 200 to one, and Thurston Lawrence Howell the third 300 to one. Nice, there you go, Thur- Thurston, thirsty Thurston over here. Uh, I got uh, a few. One is from preseason. So we talked about this on the earlier season show. So I do have Homa at 125. That's worked out in my favor. I know people were adding him at 80 and 90 today and yesterday. So I'm happy to have that on board. But other than that, the ones I added. So I took Morikawa. I found him. He boosted tonight to 40. I was going to wait till tomorrow to see if he went up with the uh, top eight each way. But I'm worried that the 40 will go away. So that's kind of maybe a way I can get some exposure. I am still thinking about that 2v2 I talked about earlier where you've got Rory and Spieth and you just got to have the balls to say, fuck it, I'm switching it to Rom Kawa and hoping that they show up and the chalkier guys bust or a Rory Xander and just take that that shot. But uh, other than that, Finau at 60, I've got Woodland at 90 and Mito at 110. So that's my card right now. I don't have anybody underneath 40, so I can still add. I can still wait and see. Like, I liked your call. You can definitely find some guys in play. But overall, pretty happy with the card I've got going in. And then even if these guys, some of them get popular in DFS, at least I still have them for sort of these uh, outrights with top five each ways. All right. So for one and done, I actually had Xander in the Carbon Cup this past week. And I was in 60th place going in uh, to the week. So it should bring me up uh, a pretty fair amount. Uh, So with only a few weeks left, we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Um, I think if I remember... It's probably either going to, I probably, I might think, I'm thinking about using a uh, live guy. I'm thinking about Usti. Um, I'm thinking about Usti. I don't have many of the top guys left. Um, but, you know, I have Usti, I have Scheffler left. Uh, you know, I've, I've kept a left. 
Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure where I'm going right now. I'm leaning uh, to the South African Ustazen. Yeah, I like your, you know, this, you're getting out of the end. Of course, it is the last chance to use a live guy for that matter. So that's like a thing, but not really because you're getting out of the nitty gritty and you kind of just got to use who you think is going to win. Like you just got to stack the money. So while Scheffler would seem the obvious, it's if you don't think Scheffler's having a good week and you're not committed to that, then I wouldn't go there. I'd just go with it from that sense. I've only got a few guys left. I'm deciding I got Lowry, Hideki, and I think maybe DJ that I have left too, but I'll probably just go Lowry take a shot there and see if he can show up at another open. I think his all around game suits it anyway, no matter what conditions we get again, if it changes and there's a weather draw or something like that, or a weather pocket, I should say, where we find an edge, then we'd switch it based on that. But stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of other content throughout the week, of course, Kenny. So I'll let you go ahead there, but people will be able to find if we're making changes on some of these guys or what we're doing. Yeah, we're recording this on Sunday. So, of course, you know, stay tuned to all of our stuff. You can find me on Twitter at KendoVT. Uh, you can find my article on GupsCorner.com. I already wrote the initial preview uh, for, for the event. It should be out this evening, uh, Wednesday. I will follow that up Wednesday early afternoon with my uh, any changes to the cash game cornerstones I have. Uh, if there's like, you know, wind stuff, you know, this is the time where it could change, okay? Uh, so So I rarely ever change my cascade cornerstones but in this situation it's possible uh so uh gups corner uh, do my cascade cornerstones my final betting card my favorite gpp play in each price range i'll also be on the e9 uh, podcast <coughs> sorry uh gups corner podcast wednesday evening i will be on betql podcast tuesday morning uh going over with uh with the joes uh over there on betql um also uh, pretty soon uh i don't know when pat's going to release it but i'll also be on the next edition of cuss corner here on the mayo media network so that's probably going to come out i would guess after the open championship where there's a little bit of a break uh so make sure you check that out it was a fun fun show uh definitely had a few cocktails and yelled at tim a lot so so make sure you keep you, you stick around and you, you catch all the stuff tambo yeah, I'm excited for that one. I can't wait. I'd like to say, hopefully after the open, we got a little lull there. We can sort of just fit it in either way. So I like that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Toe Tag and Tambo. Going to be wanting to follow me there. I'm going to be doing the giveaways this week for the Tambo's Tidbits thread. I'm going to have the mega thread for the major. So I'll have everything compiled, put together there for you guys, set you all up proper. That's all something you can just check out on Twitter free. Add me at Toe Tag and Tambo. Of course, over at Rumpure Sports, rumpuresports.com. You can use promo code DGEN50. Gets you 50% off your first payment. It gets you in there. You can do a month. Just check us out. Get in the Discord. It's all sports, one price. A couple other things this week. So I'll, of course, be on the Wednesday live show chat. It's 9.15 Eastern in the morning. On Wednesday with myself and Pat doing everything. We'll have better weather, better ownership. We'll have everything tied into that. Got the premium show on Run Pure Sports Wednesday evening. And then tomorrow, I'm recording with our boy, Mr. Martin, at Sundog Monkey. Going to be hopping on his show again there, getting on the golf altar pod going through our picks and sort of some more from a betting angle, more so there. He'll ask me some drafting stuff. We'll go over and have a little bit more than what we went through on here. I need to hear your music picks there, Tambo. Yeah, he does too. That's the hardest part of that pod. It is the hardest part. So I was on the second episode they ever did. uh, And it was, it was, it was tough. I tried to pick the right music. Yeah. I'm trying just to tie it into the bets. So I'm going to think about some songs for uh, Morikawa, Finau, 
and Mito. I want to stick with, I want to come up with something for Mito Pereira because I, like I said, I liked him last week. A 15 shot swing was a hard, a hard pill to swallow after day one and how it was looking, but you never, that's why you never count your chickens before they hatch the, the, the day one stuff doesn't matter, especially on these types of courses. All right. So open championship, my favorite week of the year. It's going to be fun. Lots of money to be won. I can walk because of Carrie's drug. Let's win some motherfucking money. DJ Nation. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.